welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. How's it going, Vince? Pretty good. Uh, just trying to get over this cold. It doesn't sound too good. No, it's not fun. This whole family's been sick all weekend and uh, can't wait for it to be over. It's just that time of year. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems to be going around too. Yeah, especially when you have kids in school. They, you know, it's... Other little cesspools. <laughs> little Petri dish there of all the fun things that could come home. Oh, yes. Well, hopefully that all goes away here soon. Well, fun news for me today, finally paid off the last of the trip to go to the Holy Land. So you all are, in fact, going with me to the Holy Land one way or another. Fantastic. That's coming up really soon. Yeah, it is. By the time this this podcast airs, you know, you're looking at maybe a week or two. At most. At most, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, I'm going to have to have the master editor over here uh, take all the audio and try to trim it down and make it something usable. So you're going to be busy. I'm fine with that as long as you give me something quality. It's quality probably, in, quality out, garbage in, garbage out. I'm That's pretty, how that works. Well, we might have some garbage. We might have some garbage. But hey, you know what? That's what brotherhood is for. That's not garbage. You're right. It's not garbage. So like that segue? I, that was really good. That was horrible. That was cheesy. That was, that that was, was really, really cheesy. bad. But uh, no, but today's topic is brotherhood. Yeah. And I think both of us have experienced brotherhood in our lives just with the paths that we have followed. And it's just something that I'd like to talk about today. You know, if you look back at all the episodes that we've had so far, it's basically, what does the church teach about this? What does the church teach about that? This is one of those more of a lifestyle um, episode, I think. One of the ones we really wanted to do that we haven't had a chance to yet. Um, On like, just explaining like, you know, what are some of the things in our lives that, uh, that we like to cling to that, Bring us that bring us closer to God, yeah, or to just bring us closer with each other. Uh, that would you know what God wants us to do. Uh, he doesn't want us to all be hermits, no, and uh, and to hate everybody, no. And uh, so let's let's talk about brotherhood. Yeah, yeah, and I think the best way for us to start this conversation is the fact that you know you have a brother, right, and I have a brother. Yeah, and I think the experience there because you know how my brother's seven years older than me. So that experience of brotherhood is a little bit different than I think a lot of people. You know, that my brother, when I was born, uh, he had been in first grade, and there I am born May 2nd, and I'm I'm thrust into his lap, and he's a conscious child. Like, what what the heck is this thing in front of me? So, like, that experience of brotherhood is going to be completely different than someone who grew up with their brother, you know, and... um, because you're not, you're separated. Yeah, we're only, my brother and I are only 14 months apart. I'm, yeah. Um, and, and and that was, I think, really nice, not only for us, but for my parents as well. And just, you know, we would be able to entertain each other. Yeah. And, you know, instead of, you know, the parents having to entertain. So, yeah, um, we we had a, we, we, we fought a lot. Sure. I mean, that's just what brothers do. Well, yeah, I was going to say, so did we. But Hell, to this day, we still do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But there's always that close. You no matter what, you 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 do anything for your brother. And 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 ladies, I don't know how this pertains to you, um, because you know I, I I'm not in your mind. I'm not in your world. I know we're men. Yeah, we're men. This is this is kind of a show about men. It's it's, yeah. it's not a show for men, but it's a show about men. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, and, and I'm sure some of these things can pertain to the sisterhood as well. Oh, sure. Uh, but the, you know, 
when I think of brotherhood, I think of, it's not just a friendship. Mm-mm. I have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't die for some of those friends. I wouldn't uh, sacrifice some time in, in certain things for those friends. Sure. But I have a small group of brothers that I would probably do just about anything for. Yeah. And that brotherhood comes from a variety of, ex- usually experiences. Sure. Usually you're thrust into an experience with somebody and that's what brings you closer. Yeah. Um, for example, you know, um, when I was in the fire department, we yeah. were all, we were brothers. I mean, it, you know, we would, we would lay down our lives, you know, for each other. And I feel the same way in law enforcement now is the guys that I work with. I can trust my life to these guys because I know they have good training. I know we've been through a lot together and I trust them in a way that I wouldn't trust uh, just any old guy on the street. And, um, and, and I think that's something that, you know, and it's not just trusting with your life. It can be trusting with some of your deepest feelings, something yeah. that you wouldn't share with anybody. And, you know, I, you know, I, I talk about my, my experience with brotherhood is in public service, you know, fire department, EMS, and now law enforcement. And, you know, as well as my, 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 my own brother, I guess. But, um, you know, I'd like to hear your experience with the brotherhood and the priesthood. Sure. I'm, I'm sure that has, a, especially in a seminary. For well, yeah. Now. I mean, you're with those guys. You're experiencing a lot of, you know, probably some very, you know, emotional times, both good and bad. And I think that's what binds people together. Yeah. And, and you know, my experience of brotherhood, of course, you know, falls right back immediately to my experience with my biological brother and the fact that um, my experience with him was that when I was in second grade, he went off to high school. And then when I was in seventh grade, he went off to college. And then I ended up in high school and he graduated college six years after that. And so, I mean, there was that, that distance there. So trying to understand the brotherhood for me in relationship to that kind of um, was an interesting one. Cause it's almost like I was an only child there for a while, you know, when he's three and a half hours away down at WVU and I'm in Erie, but, um, you know, the seminary is like a forced brotherhood. Okay. I mean, if you think about it, because you don't, we talk about, um, brotherhood in a, in a way you had mentioned, like you would die for any of those guys. You would, you would do stuff for some of those guys. Sure. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, in seminary, you can feel like I hate these people, <laughs> but in the same breath, I love them. I love them because they're my brothers. And dude, I felt the same way in the fire department and the EMS service. Exactly. Some of these people drive you up a wall, but at the end of the day, you have their back. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yes. And so sometimes you have that experience where maybe you don't like them, but you got to love them. And, you know, you have that experience in the seminary, you got that experience in uh, college dorm life, you know. Oh, sure. You yeah. know, you're, you're thrust into an experience where you're all forced together to do the same thing together. And then how exactly are you going to come forth from that? So, you know, you got that uh, for me in the seminary, in the priesthood. And then there's other, you know, experiences of brotherhood. And we'll talk about this more as we go along. But like the, uh, the Knights of Columbus, you know, that's, that is a formal organization that is also a brotherhood. And it's one where we as a church recognize the importance of brotherhood. So, you know, we have those experience of it as well. That's a great example. Yeah. So you have all these different experiences of brotherhood, but they all share a common theme. 
they all share a common theme. And and I think that the common theme is that it is, like you said, a shared experience working together to achieve something together, whatever that might be. Usually something that's greater than yourself or something that you can't reach by yourself yeah. and that you need to have you need to have other guys working with you towards this goal. It's teamwork. You know, a football team doesn't go to the Super Bowl because of one guy. Right. It's the whole team. Right. And uh, and and I think that has a you know that's a lot to do with with, with brotherhood. You know, I'm not going to go in and fight a fire all by myself, but no. I could do it with you know five or six other guys, hopefully more, who are on the same page. We're on the same team. We've you know we've we've had those hard experiences. We've been through that hard training. We know exactly what to do, and we go in there and get it done. And at the end of the day. You know, you can talk about, you know, the, um, you know, the baby that died in that fire yeah, and the yeah. feelings that you're feeling and you can cry in front of those people. Yeah. Um, yeah. whereas I'm not going to go do that to just, like I said before, any guy in the street, I'm no. not going to go up to somebody and just start spilling out my guts on, you know, all the, the emotional highs and lows that I'm feeling because of whatever experience that I went through. Right. They yeah. just don't understand. And I think, and I didn't serve in the military, but I have a lot of friends that have. Absolutely. And it's it's very similar, you know, there too, especially if you've been deployed. You know, you've been through, you've been through hell, basically. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard a lot for a lot of veterans that come back. Right. To assimilate back into society because they don't, under, people don't understand them because they don't understand the experiences that they've been through. Right. And it's usually veterans that get together and can talk about those shared experiences that helps them, uh, you know, cope with whatever they saw and to, to cope, you know, and from an emotional level, I think we all, we all need something like that. Cause all of us, it doesn't matter. You know, I bring in like some of these extreme examples, like the fire department and law right. enforcement, all this stuff and some of the, the, the terrible stuff that I saw and how I'm able to talk to some of these people about it. But we all have, a traumatic experience of some kind. We all have an experience that we can't do on our own that we need other people to help us with. We all have that shared, um, you know, we all have that need uh, to have a brotherhood with somebody. Yeah. You know, with however it is, however minuscule it may seem, it's not minuscule. But, uh, you know, and that's just one thing that I, you know, kind of want to just touch upon is it doesn't have to be an extreme experience. We're just bringing up some extremes, I think. But, yeah. um, but you know, we can have a brotherhood with, you know, my full-time job at work. There's a couple of guys there. It's like, you know, we're a manufacturing company. Yeah. You know, we're not putting our lives in the line for this, but, you know. You're sharing a common experience that brings you together for some reason. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and the most important thing is, and now this is where we can really kind of, because you can have, you can have brotherhood that is authentic Christian brotherhood versus inauthentic Christian. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And I think that that's a key that we want to hit home more so on is that we can have these brotherhoods, like the guys doing bad things, like robbing all those banks. They can have a brotherhood. Is it authentic Christian brotherhood? Absolutely not. No, no. You know, there's, but you can also have authentic Christian brotherhood. And one of the things that you, as you were talking that I was thinking about is um, with experiencing brotherhood would be like a, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics yeah, Anonymous. Absolutely. I, I was amazed. I was sitting in the rectory on Christmas Day, and my father looks at me and he says, What are who are all those people coming out of your social hall? And so my uh living room 
faces the doors to the social hall. So I can see everybody going and coming from that building. And I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't know. Why are there like 20 people coming out of the social hall on Christmas day at 10 a.m.? And it's a Wednesday this past year. So uh, I'm like, I don't know. So I go outside thinking, what's going on? I said, hi, how can I help you? And they said, oh, we just finished our meeting. I just kind of looked. I said, what meeting? And they said, oh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I said to my parents, why would they have a meeting on Christmas? Like, that's weird to me. Like, wouldn't you want to be with family? And someone said, one of my cousins said, well, maybe that is their family. And that's a really good way to think about it. It's like, yeah. when, you, when you experience a traumatic event and then you can talk about it with other people, that can become your family. That can become your brotherhood. Sure. And so we we experience these brotherhoods and these sisterhoods and this family in all of these different aspects. And it's a very beautiful thing when we truly engage in it. You know, if you are in um, a meeting and you have someone that is completely disengaged, it's going to make it that much more painful. But if you have someone who's engaged and actually trying to um, help the community grow, it changes the whole feeling. I mean, we can tie this back to Jesus. Absolutely. You know, he did. He didn't have to come to earth to give us salvation. He didn't have to die on the cross to give us salvation, but that's no. how God wanted to do that. Yeah. And so you could look at it as Jesus came down and he created a, a brotherhood just in his own, you know, in his ministry and how we follow him today. You know, we look at, we often compare Jesus to a brother. We always say, you know, G, you know, Jesus is my brother. And, you know, he died for us. Yeah. He sacrificed everything for us. Yeah. And, um, and and so I, that's one of the ways I wanted to kind of tie it into this is it's not, we're not just talking about, um, you know, just friendship. It's, right. it's, it's more than that. And it, it can be tied to our faith. And I think we need it because in, in guys that don't have a brotherhood oftentimes find themselves wandering. Yeah. And I find myself wandering in several, you know, oftentimes because, yeah. you know, I, I'm married with two young children. I'm not complaining at all. No. But I find it very hard you know, to even go hang out with friends most of the time. I look forward to these days that we're recording because this is, you know, every other day, I was just telling you before the podcast started, you were like, hey, what happened since last time we talked? Uh, (laughs) Nothing new. I mean, I come home, I eat dinner, spend time with my family, which is wonderful. But it's, you know, men need that. Absolutely. Uh, We need something more than just, you know, the daily routine. And, you know, that's that's something that we we all need. And as you touched upon before, there there is... There, there, are, there's some good, and you could also go down a bad path with this as well. Yeah, it's a dichotomy. Like we, we mentioned that word several times yeah. in our podcast. It's like so one far. of my favorites. I get told. it's one of my favorite words. <laughs> I use it too much. Well, and and understanding like the basic human craving. So, uh, just to pull in a little bit of psychology, that I remember from school. Yeah, but uh, Maslow kind of tells us what our basic human cravings are, and Maslow says that we need safety, belonging, and mattering. And those are the basic human cravings. So that like totally fits into understanding the brotherhood. Safety. You're going to be with a bunch of guys that you're going to be safe with. And that doesn't just mean physically safe, although that is of great importance because of the fact that um, we have to be safe with someone physically to then be able to find out we can be safe with them spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. Yes. And, and, and that is... That's important to understand that we are safe, you know, and and why is it people come to the priest? You know, why is it that 
uh, we get clergy included, you know, whether it's Catholic or any denomination for that matter. Why do people come to the clergy? Because we're viewed upon as safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's safe to talk to them, especially in the sacrament of reconciliation. People come and tell me, well, just bleed their heart. Why? Well, first off, they know they're safe. Nothing right. they say in there, I can say. Yeah, and they're, they're comfortable. You and have so it's comfortable. comfortable. Why do people avoid certain you know situations where they can't talk? Well, because they're, they don't feel safe. And so that's, I think, one of the authentic Christian things that we need to notice is a real authentic brotherhood is going to be one where we're truly safe. Not one where, you know, I don't want to make it sound like you can just go in there and say whatever you want, whenever you want, well, you know, F you, F you, all the horrible things, but in the same breath that you are able to be completely open with that other person to bear your entire self. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, today's society makes it hard for men to have these kind of relationships. You know, I mentioned, you know, with multiple jobs and families and all that stuff, but you know, there's the pressure to be tough. You gotta be a tough guy. I'm not going to open up to you. Yeah. I'm keeping all that bottled up inside yeah. because I'm a tough guy. Yeah. And you know, also the, you know, the whole bro culture and all that stuff, you can't look weak. Right. You know? Right. And you know, on top of that, you have the internet. You have a lot of fake friends out there. Super, you have superficial friends. Right. And there, you're not going to ever get to that deep uh, level, you know, as you would with someone who you might, you might see in person. Heck, you can, I mean, you can, I'd say you can have a brotherhood with someone who's you just met online. And I think you have. Yeah. yeah. But it's just how you go about it. But if you have your, your guard up, you have, your, you know, these high fences, you're not going to let anybody in because I'm a big tough guy. Right. Um, that's, you're not going to ha- you're not going to be able to open yourself up to that, and I think that's what leads people down to some of those unauthentic brotherhoods, if you want to call them that. You know, with you know that leads you to drugs, alcohol, pornography, yeah. depression, addiction, those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, yes. But if you want that authentic one, you have to be able to open up. And if you're just trying to be a tough guy all the time, uh, it's really hard to do that. On top of that, we all these days have very short attention spans. Yes. Uh, yes. Myself included. Yes, I, mean, I agree. This this cell phone that I have, uh, you know, if if I have a, if you're talking, you're spilling your guts to me, and I'm not interested, you know, I might just start scrolling through Facebook right here. Yeah. Um, and that that makes it hard because then you look at me and like, oh, you don't even care. Why am I talking to you? Uh, so a, you know, a good brother is going to listen to you. They're yeah. going to you know listen to what you have to say and then respond with good feedback. Right. They might say, well, I don't really can't help you right now, but at least, you know, you're able to talk to them and they can understand and feel where you're coming from. And I think sometimes there with that whole uh, being able to understand and to respond, sometimes the response just needs to be, and I'm sure you've heard this from people, especially when sometimes dealing with um, experiences in the family, the other person just wants you to listen. And so your response just needs to be, wow, that, that really sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as that. I know from, you know, from my wife, that's kind of just what she wants to hear. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes you just have to be present in the moment, and and you don't have to have an answer. You don't have to have an answer. Sometimes it's your answer is a question. How can I help you? Because you know, one of the things they always teach us in any sort of psychological counseling, and I'm not trained at all in that at all, but one of the things that they always talk about is, 
you should never give the answer to the other person. You know, I don't have the answer to fix your problems. I don't have the answer to fix why your children are running around upstairs while we're trying to record, you know. They always seem to do that. It, it just adds that little bit of life into it. So, you know, people can see that we're, we're real people in a real person's basement uh, really recording. So, but sometimes, you know, you have to give that option to the other person because I don't know your life completely. I don't know everything about you. Right. I'm going to try to try to understand what you're going through and try to relate to what you're going through, but it's going to be different. And so really the answer has to come from within. You can give it, you can give examples to help someone, but it's all about feeling safe, creating that first level of human needs. That's, I think, yeah, that's number one for sure. That's totally number one. Yeah. And it, it, it ends up being like the major, um, area that you would find yourself is, is trying to feel safe because either you feel safe in a place or you get out the fight or flight, the basic human instinct fight or flight. So then as you know, as I said before, you have the safety, which is what we're craving and then belonging. So you can have a brotherhood that is huge, but if you don't feel like you belong, then you're really kind of wasting your time in a sense, because if you don't have common uh, commonality, you can't share in conversation. Exactly. Yep. And so one of the brotherhoods that you talk about is um, your brotherhood of the law enforcement. You all have a commonality that you can talk about, but it also can go deeper than that. You know, it's not just the peripheries or the skin level relationships that you have. It, it can go deeper and um, a more of an experience. And that when people are in a communication you, you feel, like we said, you feel safe, you belong to them. And what we have been harping on for the last few seconds is, is that you matter, that you matter. So, I mean, I just think that that's a really good way to look at it and it really helps all of us try to put some sort of um, understanding on what it means to be a brother. Since we're talking specifically about brotherhood, what it means to be a brother and that it's, you are in a community and so we see that with Christ, as you had alluded to, and um, you made reference here to Luke 10, uh, 1 through 3, and it specifically is here when we're talking, Christ is talking about the mission of the 72. Um, it says here, and after this, the Lord appointed 72 others whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town. Now, I think that's an important thing here, and I'm glad that you brought up this passage because he didn't send them out alone. He didn't send them out alone. He sent them together. Yeah. They were on a mission together. You know, one, my mother's favorite movie to quote is probably the only line in the movie she knows is Blues Brothers. And it's... It's, it's another uh, one I haven't you seen. You haven't seen it? Okay. No. I, it's been years since I've seen it, but she's like, uh, she always says, um, got a half a pack of cigarettes, a full tank of gas. It's night. We got sunglasses. Let's get the Blues Brothers back together. Whatever it is, you know, we're going to make it. But it's about the fact that they're together. And she's always talking. It, it's the two guys are back together, bringing the Blues Brothers back together. And so it's the the importance of being together and going together on a mission. You know, they're on a mission from Gad, as they say in the, uh, the movie. We're on a mission <laughs> from Gad. Going on a mission from God, you don't go alone. You never go alone. And even if you do physically go alone, you're never alone. Because you're always with Christ. With Spiritually, the you're never alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good one there. 
is is to talk about you know how why why brotherhood what's the importance of it well it's rather important it's rather important i feel like we can be lost in the desert without it yeah i mean you can go about your daily life you can have a family you can do all these things but without someone to talk to to feel safe with and granted you know my wife does a great job at that but every guy needs something more yeah you know, you need another guy to be able to experience that stuff with, whether it's one guy or if it's a group of guys yeah. or, or whatever it is. And you can't go it alone. Um, and, and I think another thing is that I feel that differentiates brotherhood from just, you know, regular friend or yeah. somewhat coworker or whatever it is, is, you know, being able to correct them when they veer off course. Yes. Uh, you know, as tough as that might be, if you see one of your brother's doing something he sh- you know that he even knows he shouldn't be doing but he's doing it anyway you're going to however you're going to do it whether you grab him by the collar and say knock it off right. or you take more of a tactful approach whatever it is you're looking out for him and it's not just you know just him listening to you or you listening to him it's it's hey listen man you're going down a bad road yeah. and i've i've done this with with one of my friends who i consider a brother before and i'm really glad that i did and I think he appreciates that as well um, because he was headed down a bad path. Sure. And I'm not going to mention who it was, but, it, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, if I didn't do anything, I'd feel terrible about it. Yeah. Whereas I see other people I would consider maybe friends or acquaintances doing these terrible things, the same kind of the same stuff, but it's not my place to go talk to them about it. I don't feel that it's my place. Whereas, you know, if it were you, Andy, and you're yeah. doing something that... You know, you shouldn't be doing, especially as a priest. I'm going to pull you aside and say, "Listen, man, not cool. Yeah, knock it off." Yeah. Or, you know, or depending on what it is, you know. So, I feel like that's what different. That's another big differentiator. Yes, we are our brother's keeper, and you know, we hear yeah. in scripture that, "Am I my brother's keeper?" Well, actually, yes, 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 you are your brother's keeper, and that's one of the major roles that we have as brothers is to care for one another. And, you know, if someone is sinking into the quicksand, by the way, I mean, I don't know about you, but watching cartoons as a kid, didn't you like think quicksand was become going to be like a bigger issue than it really is? Yeah. I've never encountered never. it. Never. No, I've been, I've, I've walking through the woods. I've put my boot in a, in some mud that I've had a really hard time getting out of without losing my boot, but no, I've n- I've never succumbed to quicksand. I don't know that it is so much of a thing here in Erie, Pennsylvania. No, no. But I mean, even in general, like if you think about it, in cartoons, they always were entering quicksand for some reason. It seems like <laughs> I feel like we were supposed to encounter that more often with the way they as talk much about as they were talking yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but I haven't encountered any anvils or anything like no, that falling from the true. sky. Anvils so. falling or, you know, uh, coyotes coming and attacking the roadrunners and things like that. Yeah. Actually, we just started introducing my three-year-old daughter uh, to those old cartoons. Oh, She's loving best. it. And I love it too because... All those great memories. It's better than watching Adley on YouTube <laughs> Kids. Uh, yeah. 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 Something that you can enjoy. Exactly. But if back to the whole brother thing, if you saw a brother slipping into, um, a, you know, a thing of quicksand, you could, you have two options. Either you, you help them or you turn around and walk the other way. And so uh, that's kind of what brotherhood is going to be is that when you see someone, even if they don't want your help, as a brother, you have an obligation to offer the help. Yes. You have yes. an obligation that whether it's written or unwritten, you're going to do what you can to help that other person. And so it's it can be 
and often is very difficult to do that, but you have to make that step and go forward um, to continue that relationship. And so, you know, we have all these different experiences of what it means to be a brother that can both be uh, negative and positive because I don't know about you, but being corrected isn't exactly fun. No. And it can be a negative experience. It usually is, but it's usually, if it's done through brother, it's usually done out of love. Absolutely. And that's something that as the recipient of that, correction that you need to try to understand is okay where is it why is this why does this person even care right right because they love me right that's why right so maybe i should at least listen whether i act upon it or not sounds like someone's getting killed upstairs jesus i don't know what that was (laughs) that was a little scary (laughs) it made me jump if anybody could see i mean we don't have video going yet but i jumped my seat uh yeah I, i lost oh yeah it comes from love and and that's where you know, if someone does come up to you and says, hey, I'm worried about you, man, it, or, you know, you really shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. It's only because they love you. They care about you. They want to see you succeed. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. 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 And and when we experience um, things like um, depression or anxiety or uh, any sort of addiction, it can mar the relationship and it can impact the relationship and it ends up leading us down a path that can become so engrossed on ourselves that, that, you know, if you were to talk to someone that is truly depressed and say, you've got a lot of, um, you're, you're very self-centered. Like, first off, that's not going to help the person. (laughs) It might be the truth, like, okay, you're thinking way too much about yourself. Yeah. But, uh, and it's accurate. It's very accurate. When, you know, when uh, speaking from the experience of being in a state of deep depression or deep anxiety, like you, you can only think about yourself. But if you were to say to them, you know, you're very self-centered, the other person, the person probably say, well, I don't, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? But it can become that. And so what does it mean to be in a relationship with the brotherhood of dealing with someone who is in those experiences? Well, it means you have to walk that journey with them and you have to remind them, you know, it might just be by your presence. It might just be by um, your simple words or, you know, continuing to have a conversation with them. You know, there's a great story that uh, I was once told by Father Mike DiMartinis when I was in high school. And uh, when I was in high school at prep, we would go to the Catholic grade schools to um, do retreats for their eighth grade. And he always told this story to the eighth graders because I think it, he, he really liked it because it was an easy one to remember, but it also hit home on a good point. And it, the story goes like this, that there was a boy walking home from school and he was a freshman in high school And as he's walking home from school, he sees the new kid across the street. And the new kid across the street is carrying a whole stack of books. Like it looks like, you know, the dweeb is taking all of his books home because he's going to study all weekend or something. And as he's walking, um, they cross paths and the kid carrying all of his books drops his books. And the one walking home from school that sees him drop the books, he has an option, you know, he, and he makes the decision to go over and help the boy that dropped all the books. And so he helps him pick up his books. He picks up the kid and they start walking and they start talking. And um, the one that came across the street to help him pick up his books 
He says, so where do you live? And the boy responds, oh, I live uh, three doors down. He said, oh, really? That's, that's right around the corner from my house. I never knew you lived there. Oh, yeah, we just moved in. And so then he starts talking, and the boy that helped pick up the books says, why don't you come over and uh, hang out with us? We're going to play football. It's this Friday. He, they were gonna, his, him and his friends were going to play football together, so he invites the kid that's carrying all the books home. So they spend the weekend together playing and hanging out, spending some time and chatting. And then he noticed that the kid is carrying all the books back from home that next Monday. And so he helps him carry his books. And so life goes on. They become best of friends. And finally, at uh, graduation day, the, the boy that was the dweeb and nobody liked and was picked on and everything like that and was the new kid to school, he ends up becoming the... Uh, one who has to give a speech at graduation. And he gets up and he says, I want to tell you the day that my entire life changed. And so he starts telling the story about how he was going to, he was taking all his books home from school. And he was doing that because he had intended to kill himself that night. And so he's carrying all his books home from school because he doesn't want his mom to have to clean out his locker. And he doesn't want his mom and dad have to come into school to get any of his stuff. And so he's cleaning out his locker and he's carrying it all home. And as he's carrying it home, he trips on a rock and a kid from across the street comes running over and helps him up. And he decided that weekend that that wasn't what he wanted, that all he was looking for was some friends. And it was the impact of that other person. And that other person ended up, they, the story goes that they became best of friends. And so it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how simple of an act we can do as talking to someone or you know, giving them something or just being there for them can impact them and have a different, you know, completely change their life. The boy could have gone home and killed himself, but instead he became the top of the class. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The actions that we do to others doesn't have to be heroic in our right. minds, but it may be interpreted as heroic to the person that we're doing it to. Completely change the life of Ex- someone else. Exactly. Exactly. You, know, you could even save someone's life, like in that extreme case yeah, of that story. Absolutely. But you know, you have these experiences in our lives. So, you know, do you remember? I know you don't watch much TV, but I think this was on TV when we were in college. So, I don't even know if you watch much TV then. I don't. Uh, my roommate just played reruns of NCIS no. <laughs> over in yeah. on order did, over and over and over <laughs> again. That's pretty much all I watched in college. Well, I think I've seen every episode ten times, maybe more. Well, anyway, what, what were you going to say? Was it NCIS? I could probably quote it. <laughs> no, but I did watch that growing up too with my parents. That was always a fun show. Not anymore, but um, no, the commercial, I, it was for an insurance company, I want to say. But one person did a nice act for someone else. And then that person did a nice act for someone else. And it just kept going and going and going and going. And you never know when you do one small thing for someone else. I think it was like the first act was someone saw that someone was going to be splashed with water because of an oncoming bus. So they pulled the woman out away from the edge of the street and used their umbrella to shield them from the spray of the water. And then the next woman saw that, that woman then was walking down the street and um, I don't know, there's was, there was all these different things that happened in it, but it was, it was small little acts, nothing major, nothing that you would think like, oh, you know, the, I look at me, I'm the hero of the day, but it, it helps someone in that moment. And so it's those small little acts that we do that can make a change in the world. And that's what I think 
really what we need to be looking at as as brothers. Sure. Is nothing that we do, you know, I could, uh, I, I love my brother dearly and I could talk to him forever on the phone. And sometimes all he's looking for is just someone to talk to him. And I think that's what really what we're looking for in relationships and specifically brotherhood is we're looking for someone to be with, to be ourselves with, and to be able to experience the love of God. So, so Vince, how can men have authentic relationships with each other? So I, there was one thing that I kind of wanted to also mention is especially Christian men. Yeah. You know, we look at a lot of, and I'm just going to come out and say it, a lot of the things in the mass, yeah. especially after like Vatican II. Yeah. Seem so feminine. Some yeah. of the some of the it is uh, the the songs that we sing. Yes, mainly the songs that we sing. Yes, it's hard to from the liturgy standpoint it feel masculine, but yes. it still is. Yes, it still is. And I think there's what we can do as men and as brother. We can pray together. Yes, and that's not something that you usually see. No, any guys getting in a group in in doing. No, and I, I would love to see more of that. Yes, and um. You know, just again, to tie this all back into the religious side of things is we have, I'm going to just come out and say Catholicism is the manliest denomination of Christianity if that there is. If you that, yeah. Um, I mean, we are the first and only, I, I, I still say that, but, you know, it is extremely manly. It's extremely masculine. If you look at some of the traditions that we have. Yes, and and this take I don't want to take away from the feminine side of things because there is a balance and it needs to be, but I don't want you know a lot of people come and look at Christianity as you know it just seems very feminine because of all the the love and all this I mean and, and it's all well and good and we need that and that's why we need women in the church as well but you know from from a you know men need that uh, to be able to express that yes that testosterone we need to express that yes and it, you know if adoration is one thing that you can do. You know, you can do that with a group of guys. You can do that by yourself, but that's something that you can express that that masculinity in. Uh, some of the artwork is very masculine. What you know, like I mentioned praying together. You know, there's this thing I don't know if you've heard called Exodus ninety. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, uh, soon we'll be talking with him. But Father Dan Hoffman said to me, "Hey, you know, let's get a group a group of priests together." And there's like thirty priestly texts, and said, "Let's do this together." And I'm like, you know. I, I I know myself too well. I'm going to fail at that immediately, maybe next year. But that's the point is yeah. you need that brotherhood to hold you accountable, yeah. to help you when you fall. You're going to fall. Everyone I know that does it, they fall at least the first couple of times. Yeah. But, you know, the guys in it don't let them give up. Right. And it's just like Lent. You give up something for Lent, you fail. Okay, well, that doesn't mean you should just keep eating chocolate no, or food, no. whatever it is that you do. You right. know, you, you go back to trying to to better yourself. Right, right, and, right, right. And so, I, you know, I mentioned Exodus 90 is this kind of a, uh, if you don't know what it is, it's like this asceticism. For 90 days, you give up alcohol, you do cold showers, you have to work out every day, you have to pray the rosary every day, a couple other things. They may have to do liturgy the hours. I, I, I don't yeah. know all the details. All I know is... No one I know is interested in doing it, so I haven't done it with anybody because you you can't do it by yourself. No, basically you can't. they say don't do it by yourself. You, you need a support system. It's part of a brotherhood. It was actually invented by a, a seminarian. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But uh, you know you can do you know work out together. You know pray together. Um, help each other in your struggles. Heck, if you struggle with pornography, uh, you know 
if you have someone to hold you accountable, you know, they, they can really help you with those. Okay. So, Hey, I, you know, I'm feeling like I, you know, I, I was scrolling through Instagram. I saw something I, you know, that was trying to lead me. I'm, I'm right. feeling tempted right now. Help me out. Right. And, and you, you know, you, I, I know a lot of people that do that and that's, you know, that, that's as long as you're trying to will the good of another and to help uh, someone in their time of need, no matter how minuscule it may seem, um, you know, that's how you can be a brother to somebody. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And, and, um, you know, I don't want to discount that program. I'm sure it's a wonderful program. Uh, but you, we also, it's not a bad thing when you, um, are being honest with yourself that sometimes you, you just, you need that help. You have to be, you have to know your, uh, your limits because the minute you know your limits, that's when you can grow and that's when you can experience a change and be able to, um, grow in your experience with others as well. And so, you know, we have these experiences that we go through and making sure that we are willing to grow together is if we're willing to grow together, then, then there can be a beneficial uh, exchange. And so, uh, you know, when you're thinking about all this and we threw a lot of things out there, when you think about all this, the most important thing I think, I think that uh, we should pay attention to is finding where Christ is calling us to in a relationship and, and being honest with ourselves that I might want this relationship to grow, but the other person might not right away. So trying to find that community that's going to build you up and not tear you down. Exactly. And we can be, sometimes we were talking about that inauthentic brotherhood. Our workplaces can sometimes lead us into that, you know, where we feel that we have to pick on others to be able to fit in. Or we have to make these blue jokes just to fit in. Or we have to laugh at other people or with other people about these things that are just inappropriate just to fit in. The thing that we want to avoid is being a holier-than-thou in that attitude. But we also have to pay attention to where is the truth in this? And we don't have to do those things to fit in because Christ told us not to first off. Sure. I mean, a real friend isn't going to ask you to do those things. Right. So one telltale sign that you're dealing with someone who's doesn't actually care for you, have, you know, your best interest in mind is someone exactly like that. What yeah. you just described. Yeah. So pay attention to your relationships, pay attention to your relationships, especially as we do get closer to Lent and do get closer to um, experiences in the church's liturgical year where we start to become more, uh, have more aestheticism uh, and, and uh, uh, start to cut out aspects of our lives that are not healthy, um, then pay attention to that now as well as we grow in our relationships with others, right? So we're going to talk more about Lent in the future and that whole thing about why we give things up and things like that. But that is one thing that right now, if you want to grow in your spirituality, don't be rude to people, but cut out the relationships that are killing you. And and what I mean by that is, you know, you don't if if your physio- if your biological family is what's uh, killing you, you don't actually have to say, all right, I'm cutting you out and I'm done with you. But in the same experience, you don't don't put yourself into a situation where you know it's going to affect you. Yes, be wise. 
put yourself in a relationship where you know the other people want to build you up and carry you and help you because that's where true growth is going to come in. And one of the things, you know, just to kind of round this all out that I remember in seminary, we started doing um, small faith sharing groups, I guess you could call it. Um, And funny enough, uh, I was in a group with Brother Barnabas. And one of the things that we did was you talked about your highs and your lows for the week. And at first, when I first got into seminary, I always thought, oh, I would never want that. I don't want to share anything like that. I'm just going to be very private. And then I realized once I got to further along in seminary, like, no, 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 I, I need this. I need this. Because ironically, some guys would talk about different experiences and the way they talked about certain um, attachments they had and how much it was killing them inside. I realized, wow, that's that's the way I feel about something completely different. And then I started to recognize like, okay, this is a problem. This is a real problem of where I need to start paying attention to where they have an addiction to one thing. The feelings that they're having about that addiction is the same feelings that I have about my addiction. I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes we feel like we're on an island with whatever we're struggling with. Yeah. And that I'm the only person in the world that's struggling with this. One, if you get a group of guys together and you can share these experiences, you're probably going to find that you're not the only one with that exact experience or problem, but you may find, you probably most likely will find that there are other guys that are struggling with other things that they also feel like they're on an island. And we're all on, we all sometimes, when we're by ourselves, we feel that, you know, there's no one else that has the same problem I do. Yeah. And so you know, how am I going to get help? Well, and, and, and you know, the problem that I was experiencing is, and I'll be very clear about this too, is um, in the group of 10 of us, nobody else shared the experience of um, that they felt very addicted to like food and stuff. Not that I, I sure. you know, like my, speaking of like a food addiction, it's not like, oh my God, just keep shoving food, shoving food in. But the way that they treated their addiction, whatever it might be, or whatever, I don't want to say everybody has an addiction because that's not the point. But people who did share some sort of like thing that they feel um, is eating up more of their time or their life. My experience has always, well, that's kind of like, I was surprised, like, wait a minute. It it woke me up to the realization that, whoa, these are the same feelings that I have about this. I would have never thought that they were similar at all, but they are, you know? So you have these different experiences and you're right. And even though it might not be the exact same experience, like you're saying, like, you know, you were alluding to the fact that even though it might not be the exact same experience, you can still have some of the same things, same feelings. Yeah. So yeah, open yourself up, be willing to make yourself vulnerable. You know, be careful. You don't need to make yourself vulnerable in front of every single person you meet. No, that's, that could, that could hurt you. That That could could really really hurt you. But having a small select group of brothers or sisters will definitely help you when you are dealing with situations that are way beyond what you can deal with. All right. I'm going to say one more thing and then we got to wrap it up because my voice is going here and uh, I'd like to be able to talk for the rest of the night. So, you know, we didn't talk about forgiveness. You know, whenever you, anyone else, again, we're talking about just anyone on the street. We're talking about with any coworker or acquaintance. It's really hard to um, 
you know, it's really hard. For, you know, if, if someone will wrong you, chances are they're not going to come back and say, hey, I'm sorry, do you forgive me? Right. But a brother is going to. Yeah. Because they care that, you know, how you feel. They want to make things right with you. So, again, I'm just going to leave it with that. Uh, that was the only other thing I had. So, okay, brother. That was supposed to be uh, Hulk Hogan. But with my voice not working too well, that's not really that's not really working too well. So, uh, do you got anything else, Andy? No. All right, let's wrap it up. All right, everybody. Until next time. Make sure that you're liking our posts, sharing our podcast, doing all the other things that we normally put at the end of our episodes. Yeah, like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram. Please try to like and and uh, and interact with us on social media. That really helps. Um, uh, that helps us reach other people. Algorithms, it's weird. Um, organic search isn't as good as it used to be. So, you know, if, if Facebook sees that you're interacting with us, it's more likely going to show it to other people on our on who are following the page. Uh, so we would really appreciate that. Um, you know, drop us a line. You know, talk, you know, we just something we don't even have to share on the podcast, but we'd like to hear from you on, you know, what, uh, what are some of the experiences you found, uh, to be very beneficial, you know, with brotherhood. And, um, again, my voice is gone. So I'm done. I'm done. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Peace. Peace.